Welcome to the Spurs Brothers Podcast, where we take a not-so-in-depth look at all things Tottenham. Episode 6, Play Better. That's all. Play better. That's it. <laughs> That's what we need to do. Play better. Just just play better. It sounds so easy. Yeah. Not so nice coming off of two losses in a row for the first time this season. Yeah, I suppose there will be some road bumps along this journey that we call Antonio Conte's, but we'll see if we end up in the right destination. We've got some team news to go over. We'll touch on the Tottenham women before we jump into the men's league, where we've had two unfortunate results. First, away to Manchester United, and second, unfortunately, home to Newcastle United in the Premier League. Before we step into the room for improvement and take a perplexing look ahead. Speaking of team news, we have missed a couple transfer rumors since there's been so much going on with the men's team, and a couple interesting ones as well. We've been linked with N'Golo Conte, the Chelsea French midfielder, who's actually currently injured and will likely miss the World Cup. He's been injured for a while, however, would be an awesome signing, and I think he just wants to stay in London, to be honest, but yeah, I would love to bring N'Golo Conte over. The guy would just slot in nicely, I think. He's also just so nice. The nicest guy. In a completely different position, we've been linked with Atletico Madrid's Jan Oblak, their goalkeeper, who for a stretch there was, I think, hands down the best goalkeeper, or hands up maybe, the best goalkeeper in the world. Yeah, supposedly he's had a string of a rough couple of games here, perhaps even a season, but I mean, shoot, we're looking to replace Hugo Lloris, and I can't think of a better rumor, so I I hope those rumors continue, because that would be be incredible. That was definitely one that got me excited. And another exciting name we've been linked with is one I've not heard before, Marcos Leonardo of Brazil, who's actually playing in the Brazilian league at Santos, and is a young striker with a lot of hype around him. He's, He's a young kid. A kid is stocky. I mean, he looks like a powerhouse. And I believe that he's been dubbed the next Neymar, which leads me to believe he's got some some crafty footwork up his sleeve. So, I mean, shoot, that would be kind of an exciting little signing if we could make it happen. Again, kind of a goofy time to talk transfer rumors, but it's kind of fun to speculate. We'll have to keep an eye on those as we head into the January transfer window, just because you never know when the time is right to pull the trigger. Switching gears, though, and thinking about who we have in this Tottenham team, there's a bit of news there as well. And one interesting bit of news was an interview with Clement Longley that David Hinter wrote up in The Guardian, which was a really interesting read. The article talks a little bit about Longley when he was at Barcelona. He had some struggles there, which is probably the reason he was kind of on the outside of the team and looking to go on loan. Apparently, he had four penalties conceded two seasons ago and then was struggling to get game time this past season before coming to Spurs. I think his French, I know he's made a number of you know caps for the French national team also, which I don't know I've really treated him super well as of as of late, as of recently. So yeah, kind of a bummer to hear about, but he had some, I thought, pretty true words as he talked about his Spurs experience. Yeah, just to, to look at those words, I wrote down the quote uh, describing how Spurs are playing at the moment and the current frustrations. He said, without the ball, we are the best team in terms of effort. We run a lot, we are aggressive, we help our teammates, but we have to improve with the ball, which 
sounds pretty spot on. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up. (laughs) Kind of just echoing how every Tottenham Hotspur fan feels. And hopefully we can prove a little bit with the ball coming up. Of course, we'll talk about the games that we've had. And looking ahead at those games, there have been some injury updates as well. We've had Skip and Lucas Mora, of course, both recently returned from injury, which is good, especially to see Skippy back and playing. Lucas Mora may be a different threat up top. We are missing still Dejan Kulisevsky, who might not be available until the World Cup. Our last game before the World Cup break is November 12th. So just a few weeks away. And we're also, of course, still missing Richarlison. He should be back sooner rather than later, though. We missed both of them for the Manchester United and Newcastle games, but in the second of those two, we were without Kuti Romero and Pierre-Emil Hoiberg, probably two of our most important players, both struggling with sort of niggling injuries and fatigue. So we've just gone without them, and neither of them are confidently going to return against Sporting. So that's pretty horrible injury news. We did get Jaffet Tanganga back on the bench recently, but it's not exactly what you want to see. Yeah, the running and the amount of running that we're forcing our boys to endure, I think, is less fun, but, you know, also probably less stimulating for the mind. I think it's difficult to play on that defensive front foot rather than enjoying some time with the ball. And, yeah, man, shoot is kind of wearing on our guys, unfortunately, and some of our really most important cogs in this relatively fragile Spurs team. I mean, Hoiberg in particular, it feels like he's played every single minute of every single game. And I'm almost, I'm also worried about Bentenker in the same way, but he still just keeps running. Take a look at the Tottenham Hotspur women, who also had a game this past weekend against Manchester City. That was on Saturday, October 22nd. It was the second home game for Spurs. They couldn't repeat the result of the first home game at the new stadium, Brisbane Road, where they're now playing. They had beaten Liverpool just last week. And the game probably couldn't have gotten off to a worse start after new signing Ellie Brazil collided with the goalkeeper of the other team just six minutes in and had to leave the field, unable to continue playing. She might be out for some time, as if we don't already have enough injuries for the women's team. Yeah, it's just crazy luck. Yeah, and just not a good way to start the game. The rest of the time, Spurs are a bit disjointed and overwhelmed by, you have to say, it's a really good Manchester City team. They finished third in the WSL last season. And they just took us away, winning 3-0 to nil at our home. Sucks for that other injury, but on a lighter and happier note, another one of our new signings, Celine Bizet, traveled to Belgium immediately after the game because on Sunday her boyfriend was playing for Standard de Lege against Anderlecht in a Belgian league game. And after that game stopped, he proposed on the field. So they're engaged now. So Yay. at least one thing to have, be happy about for either the men's or the women's teams. <laughs> Some fun, cool news there. Having covered the women's team, let's look at the two games that the men have played. It seems like game after game, it's relentless right now. And I think relentless is kind of how it felt when Spurs traveled to Old Trafford to play against Manchester United. And it's a team that's been up and down so far this season. They lost their first two matches against Brighton and then the 4-0 just demolishment against Brentford. But they went and won the next four, beating Liverpool and Arsenal along the way. Of course, it's under new manager Eric Ten Hag. It's his first season at Manchester United, and it's starting to look like an actually a good team that looks like they play the way he wants to play, kind of like how Ajax were playing in his time there. And they just drew with Newcastle 0-0 before playing this game with Spurs. Worth also pointing out that they are in fifth place, just behind Spurs in the table at 16 points, while Spurs have 23, but United had a game in hand. 
So that distance is rapidly shrinking between the two teams. And the way this game went, you have to say Spurs looked great with the start. We kind of dominated some of the 50-50s. We had most of the possession for the first 10 minutes, but no really clear-cut chances. And United would be the team to get the first couple clear-cut chances. Larice had to make a couple saves. The first was at a weird moment where he came running way out of his box unnecessarily and then had to scramble back as Antony tried to chip the ball into the open net, but Larice made the save there. He had a couple other shots from distance that he had to deal with from Fred, from Bruno Fernandes on a free kick. Luke Shaw had a volley that he saved really well. Antony almost scored as well, hitting the post on a different occasion. Casemiro came close from distance. It was, really was about right around the 10-minute mark that United just took over this game and Spurs couldn't get really anything in. Yeah, something might have switched to some degree. Honestly, I feel like Spurs are a pretty easy team to figure out. I think it's pretty predictable. Yeah, honestly, like Hugo Lloris, like coming up with some absolute world-class saves, one on top of the other, which was exciting to see until you kind of realize and let sink in some of the statistics for the season where really Spurs are towards the very bottom, bottom three, bottom five for, you know, shots allowed, conceded chances. I think we like if we do win possession, it's from deeper in the field than any other team. I mean, there's some really detrimental statistics that I think when taken in context takes away from some of the majestic saves that Hugo Lloris was able to, to put on display, you know, despite an early mistake. I thought he played really well to the point where he finished probably the only Spurs player in the green on the, on the day. And I, you know, as long as those chances are coming from distance... It's really not too much of a worry, although Larry still, of course, has to be there to make the save. His best saves, though, were in this kind of crazy duel that he would have going on with Marcus Rashford throughout the whole game. Yes. The, the first chance that Rashford had, he got played in behind by Fred and just found himself one-on-one with Larice with sort of an angle, but Larice got out to him and made the sort of snuffed that chance, made a good save. So there were some later ones where in the second half, Rashford cut inside Dyer on one occasion and rifled a shot that was going somewhat towards the far post. Larice had to save from close distance, too. And I think the best of the bunch was the ball fell to Rashford in the box right around the six-yard line. Quick shot that he pulled off. Larice was already going one way but held up a big left hand to just sort of paw that ball out of what looked like it was going in guaranteed. So three unbelievable saves really on the whole that yeah, against a, Hugo would just stay on top team. of it. I think that Rashford could have had, walked away with a hat trick on this one. And I mean, close. one of those some, some brilliant moves from Rashford to free himself with some space and, you know, put on some absolutely launched attempts from close range. And Hugo was, uh, yeah, was, was equal to every single one of those, but yeah, obviously would lose out on the day in an unfortunate, unfortunate way. I mean, shoot, we got it. We played like garbage, Benny. Yeah, just un- under pressure the entire game. You know, we got into halftime 0-0. Zero, zero. A lot of those saves that Hugo had made were in the first half. And you're thinking, well, he kept us in the game. Maybe we can go out and start better in the second half. But just a couple minutes into that second half, United got the bit of luck they needed to get by Hugo Lloris. It was a weird giveaway from Dyer high up the field. It looked like we had time to get enough numbers back and to recover a bit of our defensive shape. But lo and behold, Fred took a shot from distance as the ball came to him, and it took a crazy deflection off of Ben Davis, and there was absolutely nothing Larice could do about that one. Yeah, unlucky. Unlucky. There's nothing he can do. And then the heads sank a little bit after that happened, and 
United would get a little bit of luck they needed again to take what ended up being a brilliant goal. Kuti made what looked like a great tackle right at the edge of the box, but after that tackle, the ball fell perfectly to Fred. He then weirdly miscontrolled it. It sort of bounced off of Eric Dyer for a minute there, and then it fell perfectly into the stride of Bruno Fernandes, who curled it upper 90. Who and once is again, a bitch. it was just a perfect finish. <laughs> yeah. Just a yeah, whiny, he... complaining, horrible figure for the game of football. Just disgraceful play. I just, you know, he's so good. He has so many wonderful talents, but it all goes to shame with the way that he conducts himself on the field. It's really unfortunate. He had spent some time on the ground for some reason, you know faking injury or just a few minutes before that i think it's a weird thing i think every single time they did a close-up of the referee in this game you had bruno fernandez within the frame staring uh, screaming at him right in his face without getting a yellow card or really any repercussions whatsoever anyway united got their two goals that they definitely deserved because it could have been a lot more than that without hugo playing incredibly and Spurs never looked like they were going to get back into the game. We just kind of laid really down and accepted defeat. You, you, the late subs that happened after the 80th minute kind of confirmed that. Yeah, um, we couldn't we saw wait mostly for the game defensive to be open. positions, yeah. So you think tough loss on the road, but coming back home to Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, where Spurs have won every single game so far this season, you'd think we'd have a good response to that. Newcastle, under their manager Eddie Howe, have spent a boatload of money bringing in new players. And they look like a team have had a pretty good season so far. They're sat in sixth place just behind Manchester United in fifth and just one point behind Manchester United heading into this game. You know, it's a new look team. It's a team that looks like they're going to be competitive for maybe one of those top four positions, if not certainly to play in Europe next yeah. season. I think with all the money that they have at their disposal now, we can really consider them in the next season or two part of the big seven which is kind of goofy yeah. to say. Yeah. A team with a storied history, but, you know, one that we were hoping to delay in coming <laughs> back at, at home. But obviously, again, didn't go our way. We had a great start to the game, though. It just took 42 seconds for to get us to get our first shot on target with Sun running at that Newcastle back line, getting a shot off from just outside the 18. He would also get the best chance of the game in a one-on-one -on -one with their goalkeeper. It was a great ball through from Harry Kane. But Pope made a good save on Sun from a tight angle. Kane would get a chance later on in the game on another good quick attack. Um, it's sort of exactly what you want with Kane and Sun finding opportunities at their feet. Sonny got another chance just before halftime that didn't go his way. But it looked like it was going to be all Spurs and still sort of the moment that changed the game. When we went behind, dude, was this weird moment from Hugo Lloris coming way out of the box and colliding with Callum Wilson. Well, like winning the ball and then there was a collision where Callum Wilson's like arm was out where he basically clotheslined our goalie and I don't I'm just I'm baffled at the call really it's looking back at it and I watched the highlights and the commentators are both saying you know bet all your money on this being a foul not just because goalkeepers are generally protected but the fact that you know if it's not just Hugo Lloris running into Callum Wilson Callum Wilson kind of takes a step in the way and puts his arm out but yeah, Callum Wilson's momentum was still going, you know, away from the ball where Larice played it. It was still going into Larice. Now, if Callum Wilson had like 
made a play for the ball or like saw that Luis was going to win it first and starts changing direction and bodies him away, that's a different story. But if Luis is really, I mean, you can hardly call it a 50-50 because Luis was always going to get there first. And when he does and just gets barreled into, I think it's a pretty clear foul. But Benny, I think it was you who kind of said that the referee perhaps lets this one slide just to with the knowledge that we could always review it and then the review then can't necessarily overturn if it's not clear and obvious which was i thought rather clear and obvious but we've kind of left ourselves in this goofy you know double negative scenario where the goal stands anytime it happens to other players on the field but uh, it's it you fall. know they let the play go on. Fall. Callum Wilson does well with left alone with Lloris on the ground, twenty five yards out, and he chipped it over a helpless Eric Dyer into an open net. That made it one nil just about after the half hour mark. Really <laughs> had his feet planted in the ground. Malmaron went right by him and uh, also was able to get it underneath Hugo Lloris from a really tough angle. So it's a brilliant finish. Maybe Lloris should do better, but just like that, it's two nil Magpies just before halftime. Well, it's tough because, like, yeah, kind of a goofy play from Larice and Cessna, both low on confidence. I think Larice has always struggled with his distribution. You know, Ryan Cessna really lacking for game time. And Halmarone, you know, dangerous left footer. Lungway could, you know, has a choice to push him onto his right foot away from goal towards the end line, which makes sense. Sometimes there's a case to be made to push him, you know, towards backup defenders, but Almarone on fire on this one and moves to his weaker right foot, but obviously didn't slow him down and put away a phenomenal finish in the end. Yeah, it makes it makes it five and five for him. And that was just a killer goal. You know, Spurs had had all the good looks of the game and found themselves down 2-0. We would get one back in the second half through Harry Kane, who just has this weird ability to always show up at the back post when he needs to. Had he headed home, Clement Longley's flicked flicked header on a Spurs corner. I guess it's a good thing that Spurs at least now know how to score from corner kicks. In particular, Kane, you know, muscles away Kieran Trippier to finish that one home. Did feel pretty good. But, you know, there are a couple other half chances. I think even Perisic looked quite a bit better than Sessegnon when he came on and gave us a little more attacking threat down that left side, But and it's another defeat. Yeah, not only another defeat simply, but really an unconvincing performance and display from our Spurs boys. And I think the wins and the position in the table was really enjoyable for a minute there, but I think it kind of all comes crashing down when you consider that these really poor losses haven't been far off from those games where we do find all three points so yeah troubling i i gotta be honest my gut reaction to the conclusion of this game was to bring in pochettino as soon as possible and i can't say that i'm fully not in that mindset i want to give conte the benefit of the doubt here i know that it took you know it takes managers some times to get things up and running we saw arteta take you know really take the arsenal team into a deep dark place before they've kind of come come out the end in this shining light this season i still think they're a bunch of wankers really but yeah conte deserves a bit more time and i'm gonna practice some patience here uh despite my better instincts i think that's a good way to think about it at the moment and even when it wasn't clicking we were still getting the wins but now it's not clicking and we're not getting the results Let's do it. Yeah, inside the room for improvement. Hugo Lloris, uh, yeah, kind of a, I just, I feel bad to put our captain inside the room for improvement, but some of this distribution, some of his decision-making, he 
is a great sweeper keeper, but my goodness, have I not seen him either completely swing and miss as he, you know, as soon as he gets outside the box, it feels incredibly uncomfortable if there's an attacker running at him. So room for improvement, Hugo. Emerson Royale, back from suspension, and golly, it looks like he's been gone for a lot longer than three games, but you know, not even including the Champions League matches he's been able to participate in. Feels like we've really hardly missed him, but man, he's just a step behind the pace, and it's unfortunate. Antonio Conte, room for improvement. I think you called it out, Benny, where you know we've got players at this point in the season who are absolutely exhausted, and I think he's kind of running them dry. And there's a lack of rotation that I think is hurting us. We've we got tired. some more depth than I would argue Conte is trusting in right now, and it's really starting to hurt us here with some of our biggest cogs in the Tottenham machine, you know, falling by the wayside here. So hope those guys will come back healthy. I know that Jaffa Tanganga was named on the bench. It'd be fun to see him back out there again. Outside the room for improvement. Skippy. I, he looked great. He got his first he played start really well. in nine months. Yeah, Lolo, I, I, I'm also going to put outside the room for improvement. Rodrigo Bentenker is on both sides of the ball just playing really up to the pace of of what you would hope from such a, a classy and, and stylish midfielder. He's playing incredibly well and is, is massive for our side. So, yeah, Skippy and Rodrigo, Skippy looked great out there. Really hardly has missed a beat. I, I would like to think that we should afford him four or five games before he kind of matches pace, but I don't pace. know if he, he needs it. I think he's there his already. First start. You're right. Yeah, exciting things. And then, uh, yeah, also outside the room for improvement. This is a goofy one, but I'm... I'm yeah, I'm gonna sh- I'm gonna invite Hugo Lloris to exit that same room for improvement per his display against Manchester United. It was one of the, some of the, one of the best goalkeeping performances I can remember from him. It was just insane. His some of those saves demand a yeah a, a nice place outside the room for improvement. So short lived, but Hugo, you've got some. Uh, it's just a tale of two games really for for him. So we'll hope the team can find a little bit of a more consistent stride and. And we'll, yeah, we'll we'll put it to the test here because we've got the Champions League group stage coming up as we look to host Sporting Lisbon this Wednesday, October 26th. Really a must-win game. Yeah, it's very close to must-win. A draw or a loss leaves this group wide open, and we would need a win on the final day to advance. But if we do win this one, we will guarantee qualification into the knockout rounds, which is exactly the place you want to be in with one game left in hand. But immediately after that, it's two trips away from home at Bournemouth in the Premier League and the weekend, and then a trip to Marseille to finish up that Champions League group stage on November 1st. Would love to not have to snag any points away at Marseille, and man, i got to be honest, that confidence is not super high right now. It's, it's do or die, and it would be great to get revenge against Sporting Lisbon and get ourselves a little bit of comfort in that Champions League. Come on, you Spurs, let's see it, make get it done play better <laughs> that's all play better. that's all they need yeah i got it well uh look forward to watching those games and catching up with you about it very soon benny it's fun chatting with you have a pleasant evening yeah thanks so much for listening everyone 